Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fitness Philadelphia podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Herding, and I have the absolute pleasure of talking to Philadelphia's best sports medicine physicians, physical therapists, strength coaches, and personal trainers. These movement professionals are the leaders driving the healthcare revolution in the Philadelphia region. During each episode, we gain valuable insight into how these individuals are changing the game. Please stop by precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness with a PH Philadelphia to subscribe and learn more. Hi, welcome back to the Move Philadelphia podcast. I'm Dr. John Herding here with Wiley Balasic of Sub Versus Fit Fitness. How are you doing today? Good. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate you coming. I, we just got finished. Wiley came down to get a little treatment and we figured he's one of the, the leaders in Philadelphia fitness and and what that landscape looks like. So this is going to be a great conversation today to understand what he's doing, um, how he's leading the charge and some of the great programs he's running both inside and outside of his gym to influence the community. So I'm excited to have you on today, Wiley. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. So instead of me kind of providing the bio, I usually let the guests kind of give us their background and and what, um, so if you can give us a little bit of a bio, what got you into the industry, your origin story and kind of how you got to be where you are, that'd be great. Yeah. Yep. So I came from a background of endurance sports primarily. And so I had uh, post-college, got into running, got into marathoning as a result of that, and then ultimately developed some kind of like repetitive stress injuries from marathoning. And so the logical thing seemed to do would be just go to a longer event. <laughs> so I was like, and at the time I was living in DC and there was a big cycling community. I was involved with a bunch of my friends. They were like, let's start, like, let's get you on a bike. Because mm -hmm. I had blown up my Achilles twice from marathoning. And I was like, oh, I can bike. Cool. Yeah. So like one week I rode 40 miles. Next week I rode 60 miles. Next week I rode 100 miles. And then they were like, do you want to like maybe do an Ironman? I was like, sure. And this is like how I think. Like I'm not good at balance. Mm -hmm. I'm either like all in or I'm like, no, I'm not interested. Yeah, yeah. And so from there, I moved on to Ironman training. Did that competitively for a number of years. Went to the World Championships in 2013 for Ironman. Requalified for World Championships 2014. And along the way, though, I was developing stress injuries over and over again. Mm -hmm. hips knees you know kept being a thing a friend of mine was just a physical therapist mm -hmm. and he said to me he was like okay here's the deal one day he was like i can keep working on you every two weeks for the same shit over and over and over again or you can learn how to squat mm -hmm. what do you want to do and at the time it coincided well with i was pretty burned out from training and it was really had taken over my life and i was like let me try the thing that is most different from everything that i know which is, I know like six hour bike sessions and, you know, marathons, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, CrossFit, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to go the entire opposite direction, short, fast, and intense. I know nothing about that world and weight training. It scares the hell out of me. I don't know anything about it. I'm going to go do it. Mm -hmm. And shortly after going and starting it though, what I saw, which is really intriguing to me, was the range of ages and abilities that were in the class. And I hadn't seen that before. And so that's kind of like my like sport life and the professional side is that I've worked in the nonprofit space, primarily around sport as a tool for social change since about 2006, yep. working with organizations that use uh, running or other activities like yoga or rock climbing or mountain biking to bridge the kind of recovery space into an active lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So whether it's working with people who've experienced homelessness or those who are recovering from drug and alcohol addiction, that was, I'd worked for a number of organizations doing that. And so these worlds started to kind of collide at this point. This is around 2014, mm -hmm. uh, 2015. And what I found was that I didn't have a good answer for community building 
that was that particularly related to folks who couldn't get jobs who had worked with in the past. And that specific population was folks who had a history of incarceration or who had been justice impacted in some way. And so my kind of like genesis to like this strength training world was that I saw what this kind of like CrossFit community could do. A lot of people who were in that space. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was kind of trying to figure out what was next for me professionally, potentially starting my own organization, trying to blend these threads together of inclusivity and fitness and specifically being an outlet for people who had been previously incarcerated. How could we put these kind of things together in a way that could be something profound and could impact both the lives of participants and those who would become the coaches and would be doing it. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what started the whole process. This was around 2015, moved back to Philadelphia. And a friend of mine was like, well, if you want to get kind of into this space and learn about this, CrossFit Center City at the time owned by Aaron Farmer Davidson was the place to where mm -hmm. they sent me to go. Yeah. She was kind enough to entertain my like ideas around starting this program that somehow would bridge these issues of inclusivity and access with also the kind of the functional fitness and how could we kind of blend these things together. And it would become the evolution of me taking over and buying the gym and owning the gym since 2017 and also starting our program, You Lift You. And so that was kind of where all these sort of pieces came from is I sort of learned how to like rebuild my body and then how to apply this to other people and how we could make a bigger conversation than just fitness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's great. And I think that's, that's a lot of people's fitness stories. They find what they need for themselves right. and then they find this passion for it. And how right. can they now relay this to others and help others? And then I think you've taken it a step further with this great program, You Lift You. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what you've yeah. been doing? That? You're doing a ton locally, but you've even taken it nationally with CrossFit headquarters or you're working on that right We're now? We're working with CrossFit. I'm working with CrossFit personally on their diversity equity inclusion council. So it's a little bit different than specifically what Lift You's doing. But, okay. So with the gym, so it was CrossFit Center City, now Subversus Fitness, and we're still we start we still are an affiliate. We just we're doing more than what I think has historically been characterized as CrossFit. So it was easier to be our own brand, which yeah. a lot of gyms have done. Right. Yeah. Um, so Subversus Fitness is the gym, and then You Lift You is the five hundred one c three nonprofit. And so with You Lift You, our specific mission is really to empower folks who have been justice impacted or previously incarcerated to become certified personal trainers. And what we're doing is that we're trying to do kind of two things at the same. We're trying to bridge issues around access and representation. Mm -hmm. And we're also then trying to make fitness more accessible by who those coaches are. In mm -hmm. my belief is that if we get into the field of health and wellness and we say that we want to, you know, when we open gyms, we say, well, we want to, you know, this is about providing healthier and, uh, you know, spaces for people to be part of and life change that they're going to make and how they're going to grow. Right. We don't say, only for rich white people. Mm -hmm. But that is most often the subtext. If I am me, white guy, I grew up in the suburbs, mm -hmm. I open a gym, I am going to naturally attract people who look like me, right? Who, who identify with me. This is the nature of communities. And this is why representation is so important. Mm -hmm. In our, in, in downtown Philadelphia, where we're located, if you are a black man living in North Philadelphia, your life expectancy is 62 years old. Okay. You also have a one in three chance of being incarcerated at some point in your life. So that tells me that if we're serious about health and wellness, we have to specifically find a way through representation to engage communities who not naturally are going to look at me and say, you are my people. I'm going to come to your class. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we work with folks who have both come home from prison and who are currently incarcerated. We're going to start working with youth soon as well. 
And through our program, we provide a stipend for job training where folks get first an in-house certification to start doing uh, supervised personal training. And then on top of that, they get their ISSA personal training cert. And then they can go either work for us or they can go work at other gyms in the community. We have a relationship with Planet Fitness replacement where then folks can really start to address digital representation. Mm -hmm. We also have several of the graduates of the program are coaches at Subversus to address that for us in our gym and make sure that we're doing better at that. So it's not just me running around coaching all these classes. Mm -hmm. Through greater diversity and representation, communities become stronger because more people find that they can see their journey representing their coach. And that is crucial if you're going to really affect life change for people who have a long arc to go and what that change looks like. You know, if you're trying to open up a a CrossFit gym and you're going to appeal to the 25 to 30 year olds, Mm -hmm. that's not hard, right? Like just open the door. They're going to come in, right? (laughs) Like that's not, but the issue becomes, how is there a bigger conversation that we can have? Yep. Right. And so that has impacted how we run subverses as much as we can on all issues of inclusivity. It's something we take really seriously with all of our coaches, not just the ULFG graduates. I'm very proud of the staff and the care that we take around our language, our word choice. And what we're able to do with that is to have a much greater range of abilities in the room. That makes us better coaches, makes us a better community. And it shows people that fitness isn't just for the rich, white 25 or 32 year olds. Right who can plunk down for a membership and do that. Right. So you lift, you also then runs classes five nights a week out of rec centers in, in North Philadelphia that are led by our graduates. Mm-hmm. They're paid $30 a class to be able to do so. And then we also work in the state prison system in Chester, where I go in every Thursday and work for 90 minutes with guys who are working towards getting their ISSA certification so that upon release, we can get them straight into working for gyms in the community where they come home to mm-hmm. and address those economic barriers for them so that they don't end up back in the system. Yep. You know, so the vast majority of guys when they come home, the reason why they're back in, there's over a 60% recidivism rate is economic issues. Mm-hmm. There aren't jobs, they're not working. They get pulled back into a lifestyle that partially led to their choices in the first place. They reoffend, they're back in. Right. And I can't think, you know, fitness, there's such, and you're, you're talking about opening a gym and attracting a certain type of individual, but yeah. in reality, you can do a ton with body weight fitness right and then it's just the the level of education where i if you're trying to build a strong healthy community um you know on on multiple levels fitness is a great low cost you know low barrier of entry activity that as long as you're starting to educate people you're creating community leaders not just people that can now get a job right right you're community you're creating these community leaders that can say i've been there you know, and then talk to the, the young teenager that's starting to go down maybe the wrong path. And mm-hmm. these guys are like, no, like, why don't you try this? And we can help guide you this direction. Right. So I think by influencing a community through fitness, you you can you're helping on multiple levels to be able to just change. And I just I can't commend you enough for what you're doing. I think yeah. it's great. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's like I said, I mean, to me, it's the, it's the logical extension of doing what you say you're going to do mm-hmm. and through doing it. I think that what gyms will find is everything becomes more rewarding. Everything becomes more, you see the impact that's happening because it is literally life saving work for a lot of folks. Yeah. And when you also then create an environment where this coach is leading, it's not you leading it. It's then even, it's even better from that perspective. You know, yeah. all of, all of our ULIFT graduates at this point are black men between the ages of 38 and 55. Mm-hmm. Right. And that means then that there are so many more people who now, when they look to get involved with fitness, they can see their journey represented by their coach. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, the people who then seek you out and seek out the training that takes place mm-hmm. is 
so much different than, like I said, and this is nothing against the 25 year olds who want to go hard. Like, great, mm-hmm. do it, go at, you yeah, know, absolutely. terrific. Mm-hmm. But there is such a richer conversation that takes place when someone is in their forties or in their fifties and they're regaining their body when they thought that they're, that those days were behind them, that, that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I just can't stress enough that representation is how that takes place. And like you said, it doesn't have to be the most complicated fitness program in the world. Yeah, It's having the basics around starting to move your body mm-hmm. and regaining control of your body and not feeling like things are being taken away from you, regaining capacity mm-hmm. and having some baseline conversations about nutrition yeah. that are also grounded in reality. We're not telling people don't ever go to McDonald's. Right? Yeah. If you don't have a grocery store in your neighborhood, and you're on a fixed income, I'm not going to tell you that you should switch to an all organic lifestyle with free range chickens, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can still go to McDonald's, but maybe let's get a hamburger and let's throw away one of the buns. Mm -hmm. Let's not get fries and let's get a diet Coke instead of a Coke. Yeah. We can just do that. That alone has tremendous transformative, you know, impact from health and wellness. So it's it's those little changes that make big differences, especially when you're dealing with, you know, chronic disease, especially these are, these are big topics, but they can be solved. Yeah. And I think just uh, most people have gotten it on a fitness program at some point in their lives, even if it's just going out and walking and making that like a, a part of their daily routine. And we all know the confidence boost and self-confidence yeah. boost that comes just from moving a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start to look better. You start to feel better. You're more confident. And even if they choose that fitness isn't the path they want to go down for a career, you know, in my head, I'm just thinking about the confidence that you're building by sh- helping them move better, helping yes. them gain the self-esteem as they're coming out of an incarceration. And then hopefully they go down the fitness path because that's what we love and right. we want to see more people involved. But if they say, you know what, now I have the confidence because I look better, I feel better. I've mm-hmm. learned these tools on how to coach and teach people. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes the tool to change an individual that can then change the community. Absolutely. And then everybody you're just bringing up the city as a whole because you're making these these changes on so many levels yeah 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 certainly if folks want to go on a different path and we've had some guys do that too and great whatever whatever it is that you are passionate about but like you said there's certainly uh there's a lot to be gained just from the process of going down that path and just learning about that and reconnecting and one of the reasons why i'm particularly passionate about passionate about working with folks who have been incarcerated before is that their life skills and their survival skills have made them on at, on large exceptional at reading people. Mm-hmm. And our industry is such a personal thing yeah. because people are coming to you in a state of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And for our coaches who have had to literally use people skills to stay alive, mm-hmm. that the ability to read folks is exceptional. Yeah. And this is an opportunity to direct that in a really positive way and use that skill set. Yep. You know, like we've said, like a lot of the best entrepreneurs in the country are in jail. It just mm-hmm. happened to be their commodity wasn't legal. Right. Yeah. But they were really good at working with people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were really good at things. Yeah. Right. Some interstate commerce just wasn't with legal commerce. Right. Yeah. But there's, but let's use that in a way that's really, you know, transformative. And, you know, that's what's, that's what I think gets, gets to be really exciting with what can happen next. And I, I think that's a great point because so many times when we have students come through, or young professionals come through, we want them to understand how to coach people, how to change how they're coaching people based on um, personality types or learning preferences. And and I think that's a great point you're making is the, some of these individuals have grown up having to learn some of these things, maybe yeah. not by the book, but mm-hmm. sometimes you do your best learning not by the book. Yeah. Right? And so I think that's a great point. And these people can become, again, great leaders and great coaches because yeah. they understand how to adapt to different personalities and learning styles. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. 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 And I think that like, I think non-traditional environments 
for education also lend to more like resourceful learners. Mm -hmm. People are more willing to seek out information to learn different ways rather than say that like, well, a textbook is how I learn things. Yeah. Like if you learn it from person to person interaction, I think you're also more open to e exposures and experiences that you come across mm -hmm. that then change how you do things and, yeah. and your, your willingness to sort of listen and to be aware, I think changes mm -hmm. when you don't expect the education to come just from a seminar or from yeah. a textbook. And, and, and I like that they can problem solve. They're more mm -hmm. critical thinkers. Yeah. I think it's, it's absolutely great. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of resilience that takes place there. Like the things that our guys have gone through and have seen and have come out the other side of it. That's just like the, I take a lot, I lean on our guys a lot because mm -hmm. like when things seem like heavy to me, they oftentimes kind of give me a little bit of levity or give mm -hmm. me some perspective or yeah. help me kind of come back to it. And, you know, and from the work that we do, like in, you know, prison and, in, in, you know, in that format, in that context, like selfishly, like that turns down the volume on a lot of stuff for me that just isn't as big of a deal as I thought it was, mm -hmm. you know, and it just brings it back to like, what is most important? What are we really doing? Like, how are we really making people, making people's lives bigger mm -hmm. through gaining capacity, right? Like that's the ball game. You know, how you do it, there's a million different ways of doing it. And like, I'm proud of how we program in the gym and the work that our coaches do behind the scenes of all that. And, and, and I think that's, I'm really, like I said, proud of that, but you know, it's, it's, how do you have this bigger conversation, you know, both movement wise and also then just like, you know, like Kelly Starrett talks about this a lot, right? Like how are these like global concepts rather than just like what is just happening with your hip? Like, right. There's a bigger thing, and then there's an even bigger conversation relative to your life outside the gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you started to go down that path a little bit, but what have you learned most from some of the community activism and what you've been teaching these guys to help them improve their lives as they come out of incarceration? What are some of the things you've learned um, as a gym owner, and then as you're meshing it with some of your your community focused stuff? Yeah, good question. I think that. I mean, I have learned a lot as a gym owner in the past five years, especially oh, the past absolutely. two, which we've talked uh -huh. about a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been a ride. But I think I think the biggest thing that I've learned and have been reminded of over and over again is that representation, you can't underestimate how important that is. You can say all day that you offer inclusive fitness environments, but you are only as inclusive as who is leading your classes, who is visible in your community, who the leaders are, that is as inclusive as you are. Mm -hmm. And so for instance, right now, because of the nature of things, we actually don't have for the first time in years, we don't have any women on staff. And that creates an issue. Mm -hmm. That means that if you are coming to our space and you happen to be seeking a female coach and you don't see that, that means that right now, one of the things I need to be aware of with how I dress is that that is a gap in our community, right? So I need to work on how to fix that in the future. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, if you just set things on autopilot, they will just become a mirror image of yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to actively facilitate these things being different. And it doesn't mean you have to blow up your whole business model or do all this other stuff. But it's just like, how do you start with working with folks who would bring a tremendous amount of life experience to what you do? And then let them gain the experience of how to coach the squat, how to coach the press. But the life experience they bring will bring their own 
lens to it that will that will enrich everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And so I yep. think that that's really making that a deliberate effort and recognizing that that takes time to do is definitely a big learned experience for me and, and committing to that process. And it won't always be linear. It won't always work the way that you want. But that shift over time creates something really special mm-hmm. because then you'll see, you just, you'll, you'll, you'll see it in your class. You'll see it in our programs. And by no means is Subversus perfect when it comes to this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think that what we're doing is changing how we're operating in the gym. And then you lift you is able to have a conversation, especially in communities where this type of thing is never you know accessible. And, that, and that's why, you know, we operate out of the rec centers. We have three different rec centers. We're at, like I said, five nights a week. We've got, you know, young kids and families and older adults all led in there because they see someone who looks like them leading their class. Yep. If I go out there and do it. It doesn't work. I can say all day, this is a class for anybody who wants to come in. But until someone who doesn't look like me is in that space of leadership, you know, my job has to be to create space. Mm-hmm. I have all the things I have because of the access that's been, that's been afforded to me. So my job now is how do I get out of that space? How do I remove myself from it and create and use the doors that I walk through to keep them open for somebody else. Yep. You know, and, and I think that's, but that takes deliberate work. Yep. You can't just say it's important to you. You have to actually do it. You yep. have to, you, you have to on the clock for it to happen. Otherwise it won't because it's hard. Well, and I think that's what makes you such a gem to the Philadelphia community and why more people need to understand what you're doing and see what you're doing because you're thinking about these things. Yeah. I think, you know, there, there's so gyms in Philly are a dime a dozen, right? Mm-hmm. Every block there's, you know, we live in like the gym district or our gym is like in the gym district. There's like five gyms within like six blocks. Right. It's all over the place. But you know, some of them are like the quick 30 minutes, go in, get your ass kicked mm-hmm. and you're gone and there's no community. They're not thinking mm-hmm. about the thing, the inclusivity, you know, but I think that's what makes you such a leader in the Philadelphia fitness community because of the things you're thinking about and everything you just described. Yeah. Um, and there's so much of like, we're going to open a gym because we're going to make a quick buck because we get right. 20 people in a class paying $20 a class yeah. and we're just going to crush them because everybody wants to be crushed. I think that's that's why sometimes fitness gets this bad reputation. And But I think what you're doing in fostering this community and, and inclusivity, I think it's great. And right. I, I don't know anybody else in the city that's doing it. And I hope more people go down that path because I think it just makes for a better community as far as, you know, if you're uplifting North Philly, that's one of the mm-hmm. worst communities in the city, like bring them up, the whole city comes up with it. Mm-hmm. And I think it just improves the national recognition that Philly deserves. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Rise Education Platform. Rise stands for Rehab Integrated into Sports Education. We offer solutions for business owners who want to bring more athletes into their practice, as well as clinicians to help them better understand how to integrate sports performance metrics into the rehab setting. Our 12-week master's class for clinicians offers solutions for clinicians to begin to implement these ideas right away. And our business mentorship helps business owners figure out the solutions that best suit their business's needs. Visit sportsrehabeducation.com for more information. Yeah. And I think it's just like, we have the opportunity. So like we, we we can, so we should, Yeah, you know? And I think that's the thing is it's like, I think people don't always understand like how much inherent access, you know, concepts of like access and privilege get talked about a lot, but like, I don't think a lot of times people really understand how transformative the access that you have can be for other people Mm -hmm. and what can happen as a result of that. 
you know, both when it comes to jobs and it comes to training and, and life change and, and, and all of those things. But it's just, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's like some of the original, even like language around CrossFit was like broad, inclusive fitness. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that we didn't pull enough on like that thread of like, what does that actually mean? And like, where do you, you know, how do you start to go further down the rabbit hole with this stuff? You know, like when we started you lift you, we were working with folks who had just come home from prison. And then it was like, all right, well, if we're working with folks who've come home from prison, well, then we need, to, why aren't we working with folks before they come home? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're getting them certified once they come home, well, it would be better if they were certified before they came home. Right. All right. So let's do that. Right. But then like, you got to get into the prison system. Like it's difficult. It's not like it is remarkably hard to run a free program in prison, right? Like it it takes work, Mm -hmm. but then you get it done. And then that starts to move. And then the next evolution for us is now working with younger people who particularly right now are involved with gun violence. Like Mm -hmm. if we're talking about health and wellness, we have to look at who's not represented in that conversation that we're having. Mm -hmm. And we need to specifically look at that and we need to make change and hold ourselves accountable so that we're really delivering that to more than just the people who want to plunk down a credit card and are going to get involved. Like, mm-hmm. how do we do that bigger? And then the coaching gets better. The programming gets better. The the thing, because then you're not just going to have all these like highly capable people who like walked in and they're like, a muscle up is like this. Is that hard? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, no, like you'll be, you'll have better programming, you'll have better coaches. You'll have just, you'll have cooler conversations about fitness because it'll be because re- it really becomes life changing. Yeah. You know, it's not just taking somebody who was like pretty fit and making them like a little bit fitter. Yeah. Right. It's really, you know, doing something different. Yeah. And I think we take that for granted as movement professionals that fitness does change lives on multiple levels. Yeah. And I think you're really showing how, and you're quantifying how you're, you're able to do that. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's cool. And like I said, it just, it makes it more, it's just, it's, it's, it's more interesting. You know, like I would say like for the gyms that, you know, that look around and you look at your staff and everybody looks like you, it's like, there's just the aspect that you're missing mm-hmm. that like it becomes so much richer when you facilitate something different. And I think a lot of gyms too struggle with like the feeling of being uncomfortable around making that transition. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe like you're, you're aware that when we talk about this with like CrossFit's like diversity, equity, inclusion group and we talk about like, how do we start to have conversations around that stuff to say, like, there's going to be some uncomfortability around it and that's fine, but you have to start there yeah. because anybody for whom these issues really personally makes a life or death difference, like they know that your space is perhaps almost exclusively white. They noticed, right? Yeah. So it's fine for you to say, I recognize that we have work to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody else knows it already. Right. Mm-hmm. So we just have to get over being uncomfortable right. and just lean into making it better. Yep. Right. And realize that you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes, but that's also the only way that you're going to learn. Yep. And by working on those issues, whether it's inclusivity around not only, you know, this work with you lift you is a lot of it is around issues of race, but there's also then issues around LGBTQ inclusivity and in gems. Right. So mm-hmm. how are you have, what's the language that you use? Is it, are you are you telling people it's a men's bar and a women's bar? Or are you saying this thing weighs 20 kilos, this thing weighs 15 kilos, right? right? Yeah. And little changes like that that you can make. And because that just, it makes the gym better. It makes the programming better. Just everything becomes so much richer as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And, but I think a lot of people are often afraid of like where to start because they're afraid of making someone uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's like secrets out. Your space is probably already uncomfortable to people. Yeah. If I operate from that standpoint and just get over that, mm-hmm. then I can have 
productive conversations rather than to be like, I'm afraid I might offend someone. So I'm not going to do anything. Right. I'm going to do something. It won't be right. But if I have enough people also around me, I'll learn faster and I won't make the mistake a second time. Yeah. Right. And that's just critical. And and what you continue to describe is a, a community's gym. Yeah. It can be such a, a vessel of change for that community. Yeah. Right. When you when you list out the, the types of businesses that become like community centers. Right. There's, of course, like community centers. Right. There's YMCA's maybe. Yeah. Maybe the local bar becomes a place where people congregate yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But then gyms are very high on that list of. Yeah a community center where people go to under, you know, and it, is it just the microcosm of the community or are you really including everybody that's part of that community and, and creating that, that situation where people are comfortable to come in yeah. and, and grow. Right. So, yeah. so I think you're just, just like, I think gym owners and fitness professionals need to understand the influence that they have. And are they mm-hmm. really doing the things they can do to support the community? Because again, like the gym ends up on that short list of community centers that really can create change. Yeah, there's a super interesting study that Harvard's Divinity School did a number of years ago. They looked at basically with like the you know current generation of wherever we're at this point, X, Y, Z, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. Of saying how fitness is one of the things that has started to replace organized religion. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that people, they've moved to a new community where they might have looked for their church before. Now they'll look for their CrossFit gym. They'll look for Orange Theory. They'll look for these things, which to them are places where they're going to find their people. Yeah. And where they'll get reconnected to a community. So that's going to enmesh them further in this new place. where They don't know a lot of people, but they know that the standards of this place are such that they'll meet more people like themselves. Yeah. And like, that's such an interesting conversation to have. Mm-hmm. And then I think even within that, then it's how does your programming reflect that? Right. Because it can't just be all about community. Right. Mm-hmm. You need to also provide tangible physical benefit. Right. Like your people need to get stronger. They need to be yeah. more resilient. They need in the, the programming has to be really good, too. But I think it's this balance of my brother-in-law actually is a pastor at a church in Florida. And like, I read this thing the other day and I was, I was saying to him, I was like, the balance, there's a balance in the faith-based community of worship and fellowship. Mm-hmm. And I think in the fitness space, it's like, how do we manage that same thing? How is it like, it's the programming and, and it's the community, right? Like in the fitness space. Mm-hmm. And how do you do both of those things so that like you run really good programming and the people who run it facilitate that community. And how do these two principles become mutually reinforcing? Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know. I think it's just, they're, they're interesting discussions to sort of have. hundred percent. And more of these discussions I think need to be had. Yeah. 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 So if you allow us to pivot a little bit, you've yeah. talked about how your gyms pro you've, you've gone back to the programming and how you're including that in some of the stuff that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Would you mind mentioning, you said at the very beginning, you're not strictly like the origins were in CrossFit, but you're right. not really a, a strictly CrossFit gym. What kind of programs do you offer? How are you guys doing it a little bit differently? You know, if I'm moving into the city looking for a gym, what kinds of, right. uh, tell me a little bit about your program and how, cause I know you guys are doing some great, great things. Um, yeah. And you've really through COVID, you've kind of pivoted a little bit too and updated some of this stuff. Yeah. So what, what kinds of things you're offering that makes you guys a little bit different? Yeah. So pre COVID, I would say that like we always prided ourselves on the results of personal training, but in a group class environment, right? So really stressing movement standards, really stressing, you know, longevity of the athlete, but we were still, you know, 99% of what we were doing was just group fitness. And when COVID happened, I think it kind of took the air fine. And I think over the years we had seen group fitness sort of declining, right? For us, historically, 2013, 2014, you could open a CrossFit affiliate somewhere, put the sign up and you had 200 members overnight. 
Mm -hmm. It just, you just did. It was just that popular. And it wasn't the saturation of other things that came as a result of it in the kind of like high intensity training space. Mm -hmm. And so when COVID happened, it really, it was the final thing to be like, we won't survive as a gym if we only offer group training and we can offer more than that to people. And people frankly need more than just group training. And one of our coaches, Justin, has done a phenomenal job. He writes the programming for the gym. And he, through his own continuing education, had started to get more involved with the folks over at Active Life. Mm -hmm. and, and from a continuing education standpoint, and just like furthering his knowledge around it. And so that kind of through our conversations, I started learning more about it and kind of tangentially following it. He really dove into it. And through that, we started looking at like, well, how could this start to inform what we would do as a gym? Because one of the things I saw very quickly with COVID when just members started just dropping off Im immediately almost mm -hmm. was that we were only going to make it if we could provide greater resources to a smaller number of people. We couldn't just wait for the gym to rebound to where it was before because the amount of time that was going to be required, we, weren't, we wouldn't be, we would go bankrupt. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't exist anymore. Right. Towards providing a greater level of service and greater individualization. And how could that actually be a better overall product to give to someone anyways? And so what we've done now is that we've moved towards this model where we don't offer a free class to come in and try the gym because we, instead where we start things, if we start with an assessment, we start with conversation. Mm -hmm. And from there, we take people through a mobility screen. We're looking at all their major joints. We're looking at their athletic history. We're looking at how often are they active right now, what they're doing, have they had any major surgeries. We have a conversation that usually lasts somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes. Where I sit down with someone and we go through all the stuff. I have them move. I'd see what's going on with that stuff. And from there, I described to them how we're going to get them started. And everyone knew then starts with personal training because individuals are not groups. Mm -hmm. And so to throw someone in to a group of 12 other people is unfair to everybody involved. It's unfair to the coach because they don't know this person. It's unfair to the other 12 people in the class because they're then the coach is now distracted because this person is trying to snatch and probably shouldn't be. Right. Or whatever the movement is, mm -hmm. right? Snatching is picked on all the time. I still like it. <laughs> uh -huh. I still do it. Yeah. And, but so everybody starts with personal training. Mm -hmm. If you're new to us, you're typically starting somewhere between five and seven sessions of individual personal training before you're ever getting into a group environment. Mm -hmm. We also know some people who come to us and we'll do that personal consult and that assessment. And we'll have frank conversations with them and say, you're not looking for group fitness. You're looking for personal training. And here's why you have a very specific schedule. You have very specific goals and we now know how, what your programming should look like. Mm -hmm. And so for you, you're not actually looking for this group environment. You're looking for more personal training. And mm -hmm. so those people let say, you know, yeah, you're right. Like I thought I was just looking for like a new gym, but instead what I was looking for is programming that actually fits what my body needs, what my goals are. Mm -hmm. And for some people it is good for some people it's personal, but it's everything starts with the conversation. Everything starts with the mobility screen and then it starts with personal we've seen is that like we literally get feedback from people who say like this is the first time that i have felt safe moving into a group environment because i'm not going to be asked to do things that i don't feel confident doing one-on-one -on -one before i'm doing them with other people because mm -hmm. you throw all the social aspects in there too of group fitness then right and yeah. if like if you're not confident in yourself and your abilities at that point the te the temptation to just like sneak some more plates on there when the coach isn't really looking is really hot. Yeah. And through that one-on-one -on -one approach, we're able to suss a lot of that stuff out on the front end. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, a lot of people then will just go into just doing personal training with other coaches or doing personalized programming, perhaps in addition to group or maybe outside of group. But that has just, it's brought such a higher level of 
uh, it's elevated our coaching game. It's elevated the service that we're providing to people. We're seeing much better plans relative to people. So rather than just come in and say, oh, well, it's overhead days. So we're just always going to scale that because your shoulder always hurts. Right. Let's figure out why it hurts. Let's get you on a plan that'll fix that. Let's yeah. get you in some sessions to address that. Let's give you some homework to do. And then let's fix your shoulders. You're mm-hmm. not always in pain. Yeah. And that's been a really, it's been a game changer for us. It's, it's, it's changed our approach to how we're evolving as coaches. Uh, it's made us a better gym. It's made us provide a better service to people. And it's gotten away from just this kind of like churn and burn where like, well, you just need to keep replacing people who for the other ones whose shoulders got burned out when they turned 40. Right. You know, like, yeah. no, it's going to be the case. Like, we can do better. And so yeah. we can absolutely do better as a fitness industry. And I think the better gyms are going down that path that you are. And I yeah. think that, um, you know, people are saying are showing that it's needed. Right. Because uh, hopefully, and we've had some discussions, like you've now ba- bounced back from COVID, you've pivoted, and now you hopefully you're doing even better because you've made these changes. Mm-hmm. And just speaking back to your inclusivity, you're making the gym more comfortable for people yeah. because they're not hiding in the corner as a new member right. trying to figure it out. Right. Because they feel like they're getting the individual attention. You've crafted the program more to individually what they need. Right. They're still in the community, but with, you know, a pr- program that, again, like addresses their shoulder that's bothering them. Yeah. Yeah. Instead yeah. of just trying to like, you know, throw someone into a class and hope they don't break down. And then right. they have to, they're leaving the gym because their shoulder hurts. Right. Right. And it starts to change the culture too, where people then don't just not come in on Thursday because it's overhead day, yeah. but instead they'll start to say, Hey, I know that the coach is more knowledgeable. And so it's in a more, it's also in a more valuable service to that member because they feel that they can come to the coach and be like, what should I do? And the coach isn't just like, well, just push horizontal instead of vertical. Yep. Right. Well, like let's let's assess your shoulder real quick. Let's let's run through all this stuff because maybe your shoulder isn't actually your shoulder. Maybe your ankles don't move. Mm-hmm. And so we're compensating with all this stuff. And your shoulders are actually fine. Yep. Right. So and that can happen quickly and easily and straightforward in a way that it doesn't, you know, doesn't take their whole day. It doesn't take tremendous energy away from the other things, but it just it enriches everything we do. And I think that brings a level of professionalism to a gym, yeah. the fitness community as well, instead yeah. of just throwing a coach in there who's little knowledge that's yeah. getting paid twenty dollars an hour and it's not a career for them. Right. I think it, it it helps bring like every like fitness traditionally, I think people are just like, Oh, is that your real job? Yeah. But now it's no, then my coach actually knows what he's talking about right. and it brings it helps create foster a career for these people because people are looking up to them and, mm-hmm. and understanding they have this knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that becomes like, it's, it's better for the coach. Mm-hmm. The coach can create a career doing it. because the other thing that I saw and this related back to you lift you was that like, why we need to change was that you couldn't just make a living doing group fitness. Right. And so if that's, if this program was designed around addressing issues of economic disparity and all I was doing was preparing people to coach group fitness. Yeah. I wasn't actually, I, I couldn't sit with that. I was like, they can't make enough money. They can't do it. They have to do personal training. Yeah. And what's ironic is that if you go back to the history where CrossFit first started, mm-hmm. right? And you have the Voldemort of fitness, Greg Glassman at this point, right? <laughs> like the name we, we must not name. Yeah. You know, he it was personal training. Yeah. And he brought his clients together every so often to test some of these workouts in a community environment. Mm-hmm. But like it wasn't this group thing. So much so that like in years after that, because I'm friends with the former CEO Jeff Kane of CrossFit. He and, and, and Greg went around and started doing these like roundtables with 10-year affiliates. And they were talking about how much money these gyms are making and how little they were actually making. And, and they were like astonished by this. Mm-hmm. And it was because they had gotten away from this whole model of like individual attention. Everything was just bright, shiny group. Yeah. Everybody just like drank the group Kool-Aid and went down there with it. Mm-hmm. And there's a life cycle on it. 
And so unless you're going to be able to just churn and burn forever, yeah. which you can't, you then have to bring in these issues of assessment, corrective exercise, and long-term sustainable programs for your athletes. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're, or you just got to know that every month you got to find new people. Right. And that's not good for your gym. It's not good for your coaches. It's, it's not, it's a terrible business model. And like I said, COVID did us a favor because it was the final like it nail in the coffin to be like, we can't do that anymore. We have to do something better. And so how are we going to pivot and change? And it's, it's made us a better gym in all aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Love to hear it. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So what's, so now that you've made all these changes, like, and you're doing you, what's next for you? With you left, you lift you and with the gym, what's, what's coming down the road with the gym. I mean, we're trying to just continually get better around this model. How do we learn more? How do we provide more of these resources for our members? I think mm -hmm. one of the things in the past for people who are new to us, they come in with knowing this model for our members who have been with us. Mm -hmm. It's how to still like bring them along. That Like there's more than group. If they came in at that, like, you know, group is everything. Yeah. It's like, well, how do we, show them the benefits of these things rather than they just like keep, you know, kind of doing what they've been doing before. So building in those conversations has been a good thing for us to learn how to be better as a gym. We're still evolving with that. Right. For you lift you, the biggest next phase is young adults. Gun violence in Philadelphia right now is at an astronomical level yeah. and it's getting worse year over year. We know who's affected. We know where they live. You know, we know it is primarily uh, young men between the ages of 17 and 30. We know they are uh, almost 90% black men when we know what part of the city they're from. And so we have the opportunity with you lift you through our coaches to be mentors to particularly young men, but also young women who are directly impacted by gun violence and the just system as youths. So what we're starting to do now is piloting a program. We're working with 70 to 21 year olds. We get them in the gym, working with our you lift you graduates one-on-one. They go through an in-house certification. Once they do that, they're paid a stipend for the hours that they spend with us for their in-house certification. Then they start doing supervised personal training sessions. They're paid for that as well. And mm -hmm. then we support them in getting their personal training certification along the way. So it's paid job training mm -hmm. that is led again by our ULIFTU graduates. Because again, if I come in and say, hey, well, like you should like steer clear of going to jail. It's like, whatever. It's another after school special, right? right. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's dangerous minds crap all over again. Like, yeah. No, if one of our guys who has served time, who served 10, 15 years in federal prison is like, hey, here's why you should do this. It's going to carry so much more weight, so much more of an impactful conversation. Yeah. So the youth, the youth piece is a big thing that we're starting now to be much more involved with. Because again, like it's what's next, right? If we're first, it was outside prison, then it was in prison. Now it's before, yeah. right? Let's get these young folks before they go in prison and also finish before they get killed. Yeah. You know, it's literally that heavy. And so again, it's, it's pulling on these threads of health and wellness, right? Like it's saying, it's not just about the gym. It's, it is your community. Our community right now is being ripped apart from this. We're yeah. watching a generation of young black men being eaten alive by either prisoner guns. Yeah. And we can, in a small way, change that. So that's what we're going to try to start to do. And how are you finding these kids to get into the program? Through other community organizations in the city that do direct outreach. Okay. So they know kind of like who we're looking for, the age range that we're looking for. And then what they're doing is starting to refer folks into us so that they can work with us. So okay. we actually just did our first kind of community presentation for this on, I guess, Monday. I'm going back tomorrow night to do another one, talking to caseworkers, talking to folks who are doing the direct service work so that they can put us in touch with the young men and women for whom this program could really have an impact and then starting there. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it, Wiley.
Excellent. So we're about coming to the close here. And I've been ending it with a final five questions for everyone. Yes. Give them a little bit more into who you are as an individual. Mm-hmm. So we know all about the programs, your yeah. gym, but but who is Wiley? All right. Frightfully uninteresting, I'm afraid, but let's try. Yeah. No, this is going to be great. <laughs> so you're walking in on a Monday to coach your first class of the week. You're yeah. trying to bring the energy. Yeah. It's 6 a.m. This is literally what I do. Yep. What's your walkout song? Oh, man. I will say for the 6 a.m., classes are so funny. There's like a, each class has like a vibe. Uh-huh. So, like the 6 a.m. class on Monday, we usually go like, like classic rock, like, right. If, if we need to go, like, we'll do, like, the ACDC, like, we'll do, like, the Aussie, like, that's for, like, the 6 a.m. class in the morning, like, you gotta, you gotta, like, ease them into it a little bit, right? You can't just, they, because they're, 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 they're just shifting up from, you know, from Sunday and the weekend, you gotta, you gotta kind of bring them in there. So, yeah, yeah, that's, oh, man, yeah, so I would say, like, some, you know, classic rock, you know, if they really need it, Metallica, but you gotta, you, you know, you, that's, like, the break glass if you need it moment. Okay. You can't just go straight to that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we were talking about what you're doing currently for exercise. What's your favorite exercise? It changes. You know, I will say that there is nothing more satisfying than a snatch that actually like works. I think mm-hmm. like I don't golf, but I hear from when people like how people describe it is that like golf is this like incredibly frustrating thing, mm-hmm. but you hit that one shot and then that brings you back for, oh, like, all the rest of the training and you're like, it's all worth it. It's great. Uh-huh. To me, like Olympic lifting is like that. It is my biggest weakness and it's the biggest opportunity to learn something. And so like when it clicks and it works, mm-hmm. it's like such a cool thing. And it's also yeah. so cool. Like watch that most happen to other people because there are so many pieces that have to work with it. So yeah. I don't know from like a technical standpoint that I also like ring muscle ups. I love like as a, as a movement. I just think it's just such a, I just, I don't know. I just, I like them. Yeah. Put me on a bar and it's a disaster. My body doesn't understand what to do. Love it. So one food for the rest of your life. What would it be? Well, let's assume that like that this is like nutritionally like solid content. So let's say it, it tastes. No, we like want insight future. into wildly. Yeah. Beer. If it's if it's like I love sweet stuff. It's like always been a thing, right? Yeah. So like like a like a like a lemon bar as like a dessert thing. That's like if mm-hmm. you ask me like what I want at any moment, like I will never turn that down. And then like otherwise for for like food, food one meal. Oh man, that's, that's such a hard question. It is a good question, but like, I don't know. Sweets are always, I always default to like desserts. Yeah. But then outside of that, like, like a steak that is like rare enough that like, it just needs to stop moving. Mm -hmm. Like I will, that is like, yeah, so good. Like we live in the city right now. And my wife and I talk about like, like the first thing, when we, you know, eventually move out, we'll be, we will get a grill mm-hmm. and we are going to cook all year round outside. Oh, and 100%. Like, we are very excited for that to happen. But there's so many good steakhouses in the city. There there's, are. There are. We don't lack of good steakhouses. No, no, no. But yeah, I would say like a really good steak or like desserts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're coming to the gym for your first visit appointment and you want to get on his good side lemon bars or a nice juicy steak i'm going along those lines what's your guilty pleasure do you have a guilty pleasure you want to share you know i think that like i will tell i will i will try to stick to the advice that i give to like our athletes that like we try not to and this is going to sound like coachy and stuff but like 
we try not to like think of it that way. And so like, I try to push myself to do that too, where it's like, if I really want a cookie, I'm going to eat a goddamn cookie yeah. and I'm not going to let it derail like the rest of my life, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not going to let it cause this whole like cascade of things. So if I eat, you know, badly, whatever that might mean for a day, right. Tomorrow is a different day. Mm-hmm. And so, so I don't know, I, I, I try not to think of it that way. And I encourage other people because I think it's like an easy, like trap to sort of fall into. And this is going to sound coaching. People are going to roll their eyes, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I don't, I really try not to view it that way and just be like, there's things that I like. And so I'm not going to eat a lemon bar for every meal for, you know, like other sweets at Reading Terminal Market. There's stuff called butter cake. It Mm -hmm. is a bomb. I mean, it is unbelievable. So like I get it on like my birthday and like a couple (laughs) other times a year, like two or three times. Right. Yeah. And it is incredible. But like, it's just knowing that like, okay, also like knowing your body. Right. You might know like, okay, well, like I crave sweets because maybe because like something else is off. Getting enough water, getting enough protein, right? Like whatever those things are. So I don't know. It's it's a coachy answer, and people are gonna roll their eyes and be like, just eat some goddamn ice cream. But like, yeah, I really try not to look at it that way. And I think I think we're all better off with our nutrition if we, you know, just were like, look, like the stuff you like. Yeah. Just maybe don't eat it exclusively. I don't disagree with that. And I think it's a very often we all know what we need to do. Right. It's about being able to sometimes just control it. Yeah. And there, there's multiple influences that go into that. But I think you're right along some of that those lines. It's just not eating it every day like it's fine to have that right it's like i love ice cream and but i know at the end of the day that if i eat dinner and i still really want ice cream Mm -hmm. like i know that for me that's my body telling me that like i probably am short on protein for the day Mm -hmm. so what i'll do is we always have greek yogurt like in the fridge at like arm's length like wherever i go that's always available and so Mm -hmm. i'll make like a bowl of that i'll put a little bit of fruit on it and after i eat that if i still want ice cream I'll still have ice cream, right? But chances are, I'll probably have about a third of the amount of ice cream as if I would have just gone like straight there, yeah. Because I didn't take a second to listen to my body and be like, "Well, why is that happening?" Right. right? And so that's like that's such a missed piece, I think, in fitness education, is educating your clients, your athletes, on why things are happening, mm-hmm. so that they can make choices on their own and not be dependent upon you. Like James Fitzgerald from OPEX has an amazing quote that is like, when did fitness become the business of creating dependent relationships? Right. Right. And so it's just like that kind of thing. Like we'll then talk about that for nutrition, right? It's like, if you're craving these sweets, a lot of times it's a protein deficiency. Mm -hmm. So then I'll think back and I'm like, how much did I eat today? Like, did I coach and not like take care of myself at all? Maybe. So let's throw some other food in there. And then I'm like, oh, then I don't like need all the ice cream anymore. Mm -hmm. But I'll still have the ice cream. It's great advice. I love it. What's your go-to ice cream? Like, like the, like black cherry flavored stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I won't turn down any ice cream that's in the fridge. Yeah. Like, but I will say that, yeah, like black cherry ice cream or, or like peanut butter. So that's, those are so widely different that that would clearly say that like, I'm not turning any. <laughs> I wouldn't put down. those two in a two. No, you, no, don't put them yeah. together. No, no, no. It's like, it's like a different vibe. Like yeah. once, once like a Saturday and once like a Tuesday, you know, but yeah, yeah don't, don't, don't combine those. Mm-hmm. That's not a good one. And then finally, what's your favorite thing about the Philadelphia area? The favorite thing about Philly is the grit in it because that was what I knew I missed so much when I didn't live there. So I lived in DC for two years. And then after that, I briefly uh, from like 2012 to, or from 2010 to like 2012. And then I lived in Colorado from 2012 to almost 2015. And I knew that I wanted to come back to Philly because I just, I missed the honesty, the brutal honesty of the town and like the grit and the substance of it. 
And I just, I found myself like, I was living in like Boulder, Colorado. I was in like, it looks like a postcard. It is beautiful all the time. And I was like, mm-hmm. I kind of just miss the realness of Philly. Yeah. And like, you know where you stand in Philly. Like you, you will make it or you won't, right. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. but you won't not know where you're at, mm-hmm. you know, and there's really something valuable about that. And so, I, yeah, I, I love the, I love the honesty of it. I will always be drawn to that. And, and, you know, when I'm not in it and when I'm other places, for sure. Yeah. And I think that that's that's part of what maybe gives Philly. It's kind of, I don't know, shed some bad light on Philly yeah. in the national scene. Yeah. But that's why people never leave Philly. No. Like, and if people came in and they understood it, that's why some athletes thrive here. Yeah. Because they love the honesty. Yeah. That's also what cracks some athletes. Totally. Yeah. Like I've gone, I've spent time in like, in like the Midwest. I used to go to like Chicago for a while for work. And mm-hmm. I would like talk to people. They'd be like, what's your angle? Like, (laughs) what do you mean? I just like asked you for directions and you like literally almost like walked me to the place. I'm like, what do you want out of this? Mm -hmm. Like, what's your, you know, what's, what's your thing? You know? Uh So yeah, I think it, uh, yeah, I think it attracts a certain person, but you're right. If you're, if you're not into that, if you don't know who you are, it's going to be a tough place to, to, to make it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, any, any closing thoughts, Wiley? This has been amazing. And I'm glad we were able to, you're able to share this time with me. I yeah. Thank it. you. Thank you. Um, I mean, it's i I'm stoked that we're still, um, yeah, you're, you're still putting my body back together after all these years and all this stuff. So I, I appreciate that and the work that you all do. You all do a great thing because you, I think a big part of what you do is that piece I just last talked about is really like the education of the athlete, of the person as to like what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's not just like do these exercises and then, you know, you'll magically be better. It's like, well, here's how to adjust your training going forward. Here's how to have some tools. So that's one of the things I really appreciate about, you know, you all, what you all do. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Cool. Awesome. Thanks. Hey, hold on a second. Don't leave yet. This is your host, Dr. John Herding, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fitness Philadelphia. If you did, I'm going to ask you to do three simple things. They take less than five minutes and they go such a long way. We really do appreciate it. Number one, please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to it. iTunes, Spotify, or whatever it may be. Number two, please leave us a favorable review. Number three, share it. Put it on social media. Talk about it with your friends. Send it in a text message. Whatever you can do to share this episode because we put a lot of work into it and we want to make sure as many people are getting the value out of it as possible. And lastly, if you'd like to learn more, please go to precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness Philadelphia. Thank you so much. This is Dr. John Herding. This is Fitness Philadelphia and have a great day.